something that is absolutely impossible. We're going to look at an interesting story first in a, a, a series that I've been threatening to do for a while. Um, I'm putting on hold again for just the dates aren't working out right for me. So um, I'm going to be dealing with Abraham a little bit in that story, but today is going to be Sarah. <clears throat> so I want you to go to verse 9 of Genesis 18. We'll read a few verses here and then go to Hebrews 11. Verse 9, they said to him, they, uh, literally, God showed up in the flesh, a theophanies, an appearance of the Lord in the Old Testament with the uh, angel or whoever he decided to bring. Um, Where is Sarah, your wife? He said, here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to, to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah <clears throat> were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. Got a couple problems with this story. One, is Sarah laughed at God, and two, she lied. So we, we have some issues here. In Hebrews 11, we read the same story. It's a little bit different in Hebrews 11, verse 11. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Now that's the same story. It was just rewritten after repentance. What story do you have that he rewrote after you turned to him? Well, God bless you. Welcome to Prophetic Whispers. And that was the great Bill Johnson with an insightful, an insightful, uh, I call it parallel study where you go to the Old Testament and then you find the same uh, study or uh, the same scripture uh, reference or story in the New Testament. And it does show, does God remember does God remember things? And I, again, I want to, or actions and behaviors. And so when you and I look at our lives, what what does God remember of us? Is there is Does God remember things? Does he hold you to the test on things? And so I want us to look at this and I want us to, to really lock in because if you look at the, if you look at the, um, the, the tone of Malachi, it's, it's a very harsh, it's a very, confrontational book it's a it's a book that's in your face and in your personal life and in your ecclesiastical that means the, your church life it's in your it's in your levitical life it's if you're a minister it's in your life if you know and there's all kinds of issues that god points out i don't have time to go into all of it why because god's preparing god's preparing for the the 
the great 400 years and then John the Baptist, remember the messenger, and then remember the messenger of the covenant, which is Jesus Christ, the manifestation, the manifestation of the word of God, the incarnation, okay, they was coming 400 years later. So this was the last book, this was the voice, this was the scriptures, and there was going to be silence for 400 years from this. So, so God was putting the house in order and giving them the message of the things that were pleasing and unpleasing, the things that they needed to do and why they were not they were not successful and why they had issues and um, again this dialogue throughout the first three chapters is absolutely um, absolutely eye-opening if you are personal with your Bible that means that when the Bible speaks he speaks to you you're not reading it for information you are reading it to get to know him you are reading it so that you can you can apply the Word of God and transformation can take place so when you look at this study today, uh, these these next two verses that we're going to use, uh, actually three, sixteen through eighteen, which is seventeen in the middle for those that those that are um, verse um, verse uh, savvy uh, or or uh, you lack you lack uh, you know your counting your counting's a little off. Uh, so sixteen through seventeen, chapter three of Malachi says this. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. On the day, on that day, I make my jewels, and I spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Then shall, then you shall again discern between the righteous and the unrighteous, between one who serves God and one who does not serve God. This is this is an amazing, uh, an amazing chapter three because it it closes once again with the exclusivity. The, in other words, the closed the closed um, uh, or the narrow road of those that serve God and those that don't serve God. And that's one of the things that the world doesn't want you to really understand or people don't want you to know is the fact that there is a side that serves God and a side that doesn't. And they can't accept that, you know. Many of the world, and even some of the church, and you know the way they live and behave, they don't. They don't believe that they're that God remembers it, or that God holds you accountable, or that there is a narrow path and then there is a wide path, and they they don't they don't connect or or they don't see that as important because of their cultural the cultural ideology that they do have that God loves everybody. We're all His creation. We're all His children. And well, well, this this Malachi kind of gives you a different look, okay? And so we're going to take we're going to we're going to um, just dissect this a little bit this next 20, 25 minutes here, and open up these next two to three verses, okay? And I pray this blesses your heart, okay? And it says this, um, and it says this: those who fear the Lord spoke to one another and the Lord said listen I want I want to focus real quick on listening okay not hearing but listening okay listening let's listen you know and and I've heard you know I've had this argument with my wife 
forever is the fact, well, you heard me, but you're not listening to what I say. You know, that, that takes something that's a different level of, of um, communication is when you, when you actually, when you actually listen. What does it mean to listen? And so when we look at the scriptures and we look at the word of God, um, we've got to listen. You know, we've got to listen. And, you know, once certain scriptures in Proverbs says, incline your ear. Okay, Proverbs tells us to incline your ear. Okay, what does that mean? That means to bend, to bend in or to lean in. We have too many Christians that are reclined. You know, they, they read the Bible in the reclining position. They're kind of laying back and the word of God is a layback book. And, 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 you know, they just, they just, hey, Sarah, Sarah. But God is telling you, you need to listen. That means you need to lean in, incline your ears. Okay. That means that you need to lean into. Okay. You need to lean into what the Lord is saying. Not just, not just, uh, you know, just whatever, whatever. I went to church, I did my thing, or I read a scripture, or I listened to a sermon today. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about leaning in. I, I can tell you of the many conversations when uh, I've had with my children in, 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 uh, in times of discipline where, you know, I'm explaining something to them and they seem to be disinterested. What are they doing? They're reclining. Say, we need to learn to incline. You know, we need to learn to lean in and listen to him. The Greek word, the Hebrew word for listen is kwashab or kasab, which means to carefully take note. The expression... In other words, when you are listening, what you are actually doing is you are listening to uh, the infliction of the voice. You're listening to the tone. You're listening. You're listening to facial expressions, body language. You know, you're reading the the, the signs within the room. You know, the atmosphere. What are you doing? You're taking note of everything. That's what that word means to take note. Okay. So to listen means to take note. In other words, you're just not hey sirrah sirrah with something and this word. What what you are actually doing is that you are inclining yourself, you're leaning into the scripture, and not only that, you are now taking note, okay, of the speaker, you're taking note of the message, you're taking note of the environment, you're taking note of everything. So listening to God, listening to God, especially in the day we are living in, where there, there is an assault and, and an attack on truth, you need to lean into the word of God. Listen, the world says there's no objective truth. The world says that um, you can make up your own narratives and we can make up our own truths. No, no, that's what the culture says. And some are just reclined in God's word and they're leaning into that stuff. Okay, they're leaning into humanism. They're learn leaning into human secularism. They're leaning into this this um, these pieces of what I will call uh, Christian atheists atheism. Atheism. <laughs> and, and so we, we can't do that. We have to lean in, incline our ear to the Word of God. We got to lean in. Okay. And the Lord listened and heard them. So God is leaning into you. We must lean in to Him. Okay. And those who feared the Lord spoke to one another and the Lord listened. Okay. And the Lord listened, which means this this base of communication as the Lord spoke. Okay, as the Lord spoke to one another, what, who's the subject? The Lord. Who's the other subject? 
those who feared, those who feared the Lord, spoke to one another. So there is, you know, there is this, those that have common faith, we're going to commune with each other. And the Bible says, and the Lord leaned in. And we ourselves must take lesson and note of that, that God pays attention to who leans in and who listens in. Why? Because he does it himself. Okay, he does it himself. So when we gather together at the dinner table and we gather together in our fellowships, you know, what do we talk about? Because the Lord's leaning in. The Lord is 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 listening in. The Lord is doing something in that in that setting. And so we we have to get the proper perspective of this thing that it's just not it's just not hearing it. Okay? He's leaning in and we must also take note from that that we're going to lean in also we're going to lean in and hear what the lord is saying so a book of remembrance listen a book of remembrance okay was written before him for those that fear the lord and this again this is a positive this is such a positive and i know just like like you had um like bill johnson brought um um uh, Sarah up in the Old Testament where she denied, you know, and then you go to Hebrews, the same story, and all of a sudden, in the book of remembrance, she was perfect. She messed up, she lied, she did all that stuff in, in Genesis, but because she repented, what was the end story, okay? Because in the book of remembrance, okay, her actions towards God, why? Because she feared God, she listened to, she, you know, God was hearing her heart, God saw her conversation, and God, and God what? wrote down her actions of repentance so a book of remembrance now this this idea okay this idea you can also um, before i move on to to the book of remembrance or the 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 what i would call the expression of the book of remembrance where it came from and uh, where you can find out how this how malachi you know goes into the book of esther and pulls this ID this idea um, about writing people's actions down. Um, the the uh, the 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 scriptures Mark four nine and Revelations two seventeen. You know uh, we, we must learn from these things. Okay, we must learn from these things. It's and. And he said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So God is giving you a demonstration on his own part that as people get together and talk and fellowship, you know what? He leans in and he listens and he hears them. Okay. And guess what he does? He begins to write. He begins to write their actions down. He begins to record behaviors that are that are pleasing in his sight. God doesn't forget anything. Okay, Revelations two seventeen. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. To him who overcomes, I will give him the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on that stone a new name written, which no one except him who receives it. So when you start looking at he that has an ear, okay, that, that's the thing. But do you hear what the Lord is saying? Are, are you listening? Are your, uh, you know, you don't have your your hands over your ears. You, you know, you don't have that, you, that problem. He's saying, move your hands, okay? Don't, you know, make sure you don't have your earwax in there. Make sure that you, you can hear that all the channels are clear because you want to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. So in the next verse, what we find is it after he hears them and he records their he records their story he records their behaviors he records the the um, activities that are going on in your life and in my life guess what he does 
Guess what he does? So he takes a book of remembrance was written before him for those that fear the Lord, for those that fear the Lord and meditate on his name. Now, I love this. I love this idea again, because if you look at the end of the verses that, uh, uh, you know, if you look at verse 18, where he talks about, you're going to know the difference between those that serve the Lord and those that do not. How will you know that? By their behaviors. He's laying it out for us. He's letting us know. He's letting us know for those who fear the Lord, you're going to have some good things written about you. You're going to have some great things in the in this book that he's writing about you. Okay, you're going to, God is recording your conversations. He's recording the posture of your heart. He's recording how you deal and interact with people and so this is this is powerful you know how God listens he listens so we must listen he mu- we must listen we must we must listen to each other we must have conversations with each other so there's a book that writes that God writes and records those things that you do well and those things that are pleasing to him and the times where it was tough and you served him anyway and the loyalty that you had towards him and how you feared the Lord and you would not sin against him because you loved him and he was listening to you. I love the fact that I know that God is listening to me. I love the fact that God is leaning in on my conversations, that there's nothing hidden from him. And I know that there's a, there's a book of remembrance will be written. Watch this. When you look at this idea of a book of remembrance where God remembers things, you get this, uh, you get this from, from the book of Esther, that the night the king could not sleep, so one commanded to bring a book of the records of the chronicles, and they were, and they were read before the king. In other words, this was a book of, 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 of the things that were going on in the times, and people, and he, they would read them to the king, the actions, the activities, and, and it's almost like the newspaper of the past, where he would pick them up and, and, and read them, and they would read them to him. That's the book of remembrance. He wanted to remember. He wanted to remember uh, dates, and he wanted to remember events, and he wanted to remember people. And he went, that's where that's where he re, he remembered Mordecai. And then that I mean, this is a, this is an amazing thing that Mordecai did an amazing thing and and an awesome thing. And uh, it was chronicled, and they read it to him. And then and then this king took action. This is what he's talking about. It's the positive things that God remembers. He remembers the good things that you've done. He remembers how you feared him. He remembers how you how you've li- how you spoke with each other, and he heard that word, that encouraging word you gave that brother or that sister, or how you helped somebody when nobody was looking, or how you blessed a family, or or how you extended your hand. This all are things that get written down. Isn't that a good thing? I love that. I love that, that God sees all and God records all and God listens to all. So be careful how, how you talk about uh, people and places and things. Be careful. Why? Because the Lord's listening. The Lord is listening. And once you talk negatively, normally bad actions happen. Normally, you know, you, you don't tend to behave the, the best way. And so when you look at this, if I talk right, if I have the right orthodoxy, the right teaching, then I'll have the orthoproxy, the right practice of things. And after I have the right practice of things, I will have the right feelings or the pathos 
of things, the right feelings, the right emotions, and then I'll have the right words for things. And God listens to everything. He listens to my heart. He listens to your heart. So let's continue on with this. Watch this. He says, for the Lord, for, for those who fear the Lord. Again, another qualifier. I don't know where people get off that, that you can you can just do, you know, act any old way and, and it's okay. Well, you know what? You have to have the fear of the Lord or the yare, the yare, Y-A-R-A, of the Lord. What is the yare of the Lord? It is loyalty to Yahweh as the covenant-making and keeping God. It is understanding who God is at all times in every situation and having reverence for Him so that you so that you don't so that you don't um, uh, become disloyal. You don't become that which is unpleasing in His sight. And some people say, "Well, I I know our God is the loving God." I, yes, He is. But see. You can love, somebody can love you, but your actions can be unpleasing. So God loves us, but sometimes He's not pleased with us. Our actions, our attitudes, the way we feel, how we look at things. It's very important. It's very important to understand how God views things. So the fear of the Lord, okay? And I love this. He goes, so He writes in the book of remembrance, right? Before Him, for those who fear the Lord. Okay, for those who fear the Lord, those that are loyal to God as a covenant making and a covenant keeping God. If you know, I always, I often use the scripture Numbers twenty three nineteen. For God is not a man that he should lie, nor the Son of man that he should repent. If he said it, he'll do it. If he spoke it, he will make it good. When you have that understanding that God is not a man, then the fear of the Lord. Okay, the fear of the Lord is 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 constantly around us. The reverence for for the for God because He's a covenant making and a covenant keeping God. Proverbs nine nineteen says, "The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy one is understanding." So when you begin to understand that this holy reverence of who God is and how He is. Okay, that he's a covenant-making God and a covenant-keeping God. That's who he is and how he is. Guess what? You fear that. You know that 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 you must bow your knee and and uh, bow your knee and uh, close your eyes and raise your hands to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Because again, again, you know, for those who fear the Lord, they're going to have right actions that are going to be written in a book. This is, this, is, this is fundamentally true, that if our ways pleases God, that even our enemies will be at peace with us. So we must learn to please God through the fear of God and how we acknowledge Him. Watch this, how we acknowledge Him as a covenant-making and a covenant-keeping God. That's that Hebrew word, Yare, Y-A-R-E, which means the fear of the Lord. So when you fear the Lord, you understand He keeps His word. You don't uh, dabble in fears and doubts and unbeliefs. And what you end up doing is you end up solidifying your mind. Your mind becomes cemented in the fact that God is God and I will never be disloyal to Him. So when you look at the next verse, because it goes for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. And I, again, I can, 
that's a whole different topic. I don't have time to deal completely with that. But this meditation, I mean, Joshua gives us, Joshua gives us the secret to, to success. He gives us in his book, you know, Joshua 1.8, you know, meditate on the, on the word, my word, day and night, right? Day and night, day and night. It's the, it's the 10,000 hour rule that you see in play that every single day you are repetitious with what feeds your mind and how you think, okay? Meditation slows things down. Meditation causes you to reflect correctly on God. And even sometimes as you meditate, you struggle with thought. You struggle with insight. You struggle with information. You struggle this battle of of, um, becoming calm about how you think. Okay, it's part of meditation. It's chewing the cud over and over again, like the cow chews chews the grass until it becomes milk. I mean, it's that spitting it up and thinking about it and rolling it around. This is what Joshua says. Meditate on my word day and night, right? And then you will observe to do all that's within it, and then you will have good success. So until you get into the process of what? Meditation on his name. So now I'm going to meditate on his name. He gives you the secret of the those that fear the Lord. You can tell who fear the Lord by what comes out of their mouth. Why? Because it's in their mind. You meditate on His name. You meditate on who He is. You think about the greatness of His covenants. You think about how faithful He is to His word. You think about all these areas. And guess what happens? You begin to be transformed. Why? Because meditation shifts how you think. And if when you shift how you think, you shift how you feel. And after you shift how you feel, it shifts your body language, it shifts how people perceive you and how you perceive perceive the world. Listen, then they shall be mine. I love this. Oh, I love this thing. Aren't you glad you belong to God? Aren't you glad you belong to Jesus? Aren't you glad that you're in his hands? Aren't you glad that he calls you his own? Listen to this. This is Old Testament. This is 400 years before Jesus. But listen to the language, how New Testament how you, I was going to say how New Testament D it is, how you could just drag this scripture and put it in any one of the epistles, you know, and they would be perfectly fine with it. Because it says, it says this, they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I make my jewels, make them my jewels. And we're going we're gonna to look at this because if you look at, you know, my jewels, you know, I'm going to make them my jewels or my treasures. That's, that's the, that's the, that's even a better, better idea that he makes you his treasure. You're the treasure of God. You know, you're the treasure. That's why he bought the field. Okay, that's the proverb. That's that parable. When you buy the field, you get the treasure that's in the field. Okay, you don't buy, look for the treasure. You buy the field. And that's what God did. And this is the idea of this, that we belong to God, that he claims us. And he calls me his jewel and he calls me his treasure. Segula is... Is that is that Greek, Greek uh, that Hebrew word that that really opens this up? It says the term privileged status of Israel. It's the, it's the privileged status of Israel as the people of God called His property. That's why hey, tell you, don't mess with Israel. Do not mess with Israel. You because you're messing with the apple of His eye. You're messing with the prophetic line that you don't want to cross. And that's why that's why you know the politicians that that are that um, are against the 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 children of Israel. Be careful. Be careful because you're going to make Yahweh get up. You're going to make Yahweh protect the the Israel. And I know we're in prophetic times. I know things must happen. However. 
I wouldn't want to be the one that pulls that, uh, that, that makes something happen in that area. Okay. So when you start looking at this, the jewel or the treasure, the segula, the, you know, which means, um, you know, the status of Israel as God's people and his, pri- and his property. So not only are his people, they're his property. I love that. I love now. Keep that in mind. Keep that in mind as we move. Because in 1 Peter chapter 2 9, this idea, again, you could take, you could take Malachi and throw Malachi in into a, an epistle in the New Testament. That's why I call Malachi an epistle. Not because, not because it's short. Not because, no, but because of the doctrinal truths. Because, because of the breath of God on it. Because of how, how God expresses His desires to the people. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. His own people. His own special people that you might proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into the marvelous light. What is that? That is His private property. We are His nation. We are His people. We are His possessions. Leviticus 26.12 says this, says this, I will walk among you and be your God, and you shall be my people. The language of possession, relationship. Okay? You can... I pray you can see this in Malachi. You know, <coughs> excuse me. When Malachi, when Malachi, you know, you know, call, says that I'm going to make them my jewels. Hey, we're the jewels. We're the jewels. We're the we're the ones that he came to purchase the field for, and so that he can just grab everything that that's in the field, which is the treasures. Leviticus gives us a good picture. Jeremiah seven twenty three. Again, this gives us another good picture. Uh, don't you love how Malachi uses the Old Testament, right? All the Leviticus, Leviticus, Jeremiah. I could have pulled more information on that, but those are just two to give you the idea, the flavor. You know, the, throw a little spice in there for you. You know, so you can just wet your whistle a little bit in with a different flavor. How? How, Jer- how Malachi used Jeremiah, he uses Moses' writings, Jeremiah's writings, and there's many more on this topic throughout the Old Testament about the possession of, of, of Israel as his people, as well as the generations to come that were going to be his people. Jeremiah 7.23 says, But this is what I commanded them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people, and I will walk in and walk in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well with you. So Jeremiah uses this language, okay? You find that in Exodus, you know, if you obey my voice, none of these things will come upon you, right? For I am the Lord that healeth thee, the introduction of who God is as the healer, right? So now you got Jeremiah 7.23, uses the same language, obey my voice. So again, if you look at the scriptures, those that talk about God correctly, God writes down your actions with it, right? Right? You think about God, you meditate on God. You, this is this is a this is an uh, an epistles um, a New Testament epistle um, breakdown or or profile or oh what I would what I would call a paragraphed sentence a structured sentence or set of sentences. So Jeremiah 7.23 turns around and says, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people. And I will walk in all your ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well with you. So it's being God coming to me and laying His law on me is for my benefit. We have to, we have to get that. We have to get that. You know, this, cor- this, this culture wants you, wants you to feel good without being good. No, God says, no, no. 
That's not how it works. That's not how it works. Second Corinthians. Now let's go into the New Testament a little bit more. We did First Peter two nine. That that's one of the common ones. But listen to this. Second Corinthians six sixteen says, and the agreement has the temple. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you, for you are the temple of the living God. And God, as God has said, I will dwell in them, and I will walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Isn't that an amazing, isn't that an amazing feeling that you belong to God? God belongs to you, right? And when you start living in the fear of God, everything shifts. You, you start thinking different. You start walking different. You start talking different. You realize that God, God is a covenant making God and a covenant keeping God that you reverence him and you fear him because if he said it, he'll do it. If he spoke it, he'll make it good. And then he says this, then he says this, as, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son and serves him. Then you shall dis again discern between the righteous and the wicked. See, the fear of the Lord shifts everything. The fear of the Lord is the, is the guiding light and, the, and what I would call the, the lighthouse to those that serve God and those that don't is the fear. It's how do they recognize God? How do they appropriate God's word? How do, what's their behaviors? What's their thinking about it? What's their language like? Look at all these little things that, that just come out in these little three verses. So I pray that you understand, you love this, this, this teaching on Malachi as he speaks to us so eloquently and so straightforward that guess what? God listens to you. God watches you and He records your behaviors. You realize that the fear of the Lord is how you see God as a covenant-making God and a covenant-keeping God. You begin to understand that I belong to Him and He belongs to me. We understand that I must meditate on His Word day and night. It's, a thousand, it's the thousand-hour rule for growth right there in your Bible, Joshua 1.8. You know, and then you begin to know that I am His jewel and I am his treasure. Amen. And once those principles that we just talked about sink in and manifest in your life, then you begin to see the difference between those that are righteous and those that are wicked. Those, that, those who serve God and those who do not. Well, God bless you. Thank you for listening to Prophetic Whispers. And I pray you have a wonderful day and get ready for chapter four. God bless you. Bye-bye.